All right, if you would uh, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, turn on a Bible to Acts chapter 2, but I would encourage you to get into the Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers can grab one for you. We have some in the back, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. Get an outline. You know, we're in a series entitled, Let Us Be in 23, and um, started this about four weeks ago, and the premise of this series, as I said in week one and throughout these last few weeks, is that this series would challenge us as individuals and challenge us corporately as a church, that we would look at this new year, okay, 2023, and look at it and go, let us be fill in the blank, okay? And, and we've looked at different aspects, and the first week was let us be changed. And as we are in Acts chapter 2, Today, we were in Acts chapters 1 and 2 in the first message, and the idea is that we are asking the Holy Spirit, do something different in us. Do something different in me. God, I don't want to be the same as I was last year and the year before. Let us be changed. Then we looked at let us be turning. And from Hosea 6, it was let us be turning to God. Let us, let, let us be turning and saying, Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Those first two weeks, it was all about Holy Spirit, come. You, you got to do a work in me. you got to do a work in our church. Come. And the idea of Hosea 6 was that if we would turn to the Lord, that his coming is sure as the dawn. His coming is like the spring rains that water the earth. That's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to come. Come more in my life, in our families, and in the church. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the idea of let us be all in. You know, let us not just be like one foot in the church, one foot out of the church. Let us not just be kind of half and half now and then. Let us be all in from Romans 12, that when Paul says, man, offer yourself like a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, because it's a spiritual act of worship. Be all in. Don't be half-hearted. Get like a poker player saying, I'm all in. I'm pushing my chips to the center of the Jesus table. I'm all in. And then last week, we looked at, let us be responding. From Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is like, you know what? There are people who hear the word and ignore it. Nope, don't want to do that. And there are people who hear the word and put it into practice. Let's respond to it. Well, today's message is off of that message. Today is about looking at what God's word is and responding to it. And today, I've entitled my message, Let Us Be The Church. I've got some pictures, and I want you to tell me, what are these pictures? Here's one picture. What is that? Class participation. All right, everybody's got everybody together. What is this? It's a church. How about this picture? Everybody? A church. How about this picture? A church. How about this picture? A church. Okay, it's a church. Anybody disagree those were not churches? Okay. That's what we're all saying. It's a church. It's a church. It's a church. Can I tell you those four pictures was not the church? Those were buildings. But that's the misconception so many people have that church were those pictures. We go to church. We, we participate in the church. We, you know, on a Sunday morning, we wake up and where are we going? To church. Can I tell you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, you do not go to church. You are already the church. And you go to a building to do what the church does. 
That's what I want to show you, that there is a difference between being a church and being the church. There's a lot of people who are just being a church, all right? I want us at, at Harvestwood Hall that you as an individual, we corporately are not just a church, but we are what? The church, being the church. And in Acts chapter 2, we see a picture of what it means to be the church. So let me read these verses before we kick into them. So if you have your Bibles open, start with Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is a picture of the church. And today, I want us to look at seven marks of being the church. All right? What does being the church look like? Well, I believe we see seven things right here in this text. And so let's look at today seven marks of being the church. Here's mark number one. Here's the first thing, number one. The first mark of being the church is this, a continual commitment. It's a continual commitment. And we see that with the first four words, and they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. First, let's get an understanding of who they were, all right? So back four weeks ago, I went through Acts chapter 1 and 2, and I kind of gave an overview and explanation. So just in case you have forgotten that or you have forgotten what Acts chapter 1 and 2 is all about, in Acts chapter 1, you see Jesus getting ready to ascend finally back into heaven. All right, he had died, he had resurrected, and after his resurrection, he appeared to his apostles for 40 days. All right, Acts chapter 1 at the beginning is the end of those 40 days, and Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven and be off of the planet earth. And he gave his, his apostles a challenge, he gave them a call, and he said, I want you to stay in the city of Jerusalem, and because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. He's like, so don't be going anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until that happens. So after he ascends into heaven, the apostles leave and they go back into Jerusalem, back to the house where they were staying. And they were in this upper room with a total of 120 people. All right. So not a big group of people, 120 people. And they committed themselves to continue to pray, continue to just seek God. And in a matter of time, in Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit finally came. The promise that, that Jesus promised the disciples in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit coming, the helper coming, has now come. And when that happened, you'll read in chapter 2 that all these people, they started speaking in tongues. Well, the real reality of speaking in tongues is they were able to speak in different languages. And the way we know that is because there were people outside the home hearing these people speak in their languages. And these other people were kind of like, wow, this is amazing. I'm hearing these Galilean Jews speak in Greek. How do they know Greek? 
How do they know? That's, they knew my language. So Peter, he gets up and he begins to speak to these people who are hearing this, this phenomenon. And he's like, I'm telling you, um, something miraculous has happened because God has sent his spirit. And Peter begins this message. He begins to preach to these people. And when it's all said and done, when Peter is finishing up his message, it says in Acts chapter 2 that the people's hearts were cut. The word that Peter preached to them pierced their heart. And they're like, brothers, what do we need to do, be to, what do, we need to, do to be saved? Because we're sinners. We need something. And Peter tells them, here's what you do. Believe on Jesus Christ and get baptized. And you'll be saved. And then... In verse 41, it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, those who received his word, meaning those who believed in what Peter preached about Jesus, they received it, they believed it, and they were baptized. And there were added that day 3,000 souls. So in a matter of a few hours, probably, 3,000 people joined the church. Church leadership would go crazy at that time. They'd be like, ah, we don't have enough children's staff, man. We need... Now you've got 3,120 people beginning the church. That's the they. These 3,120 people, they devoted themselves. That's key. They devoted themselves. The word devotion, the word devoted there actually in the Greek, it, it means to exert great effort to persist in doing something. It indicates action that is continuous and habitual. That's why if you have the King James Version, New King James Version, it actually doesn't translate it devoted themselves. It actually translated, translates it as continued steadfastly. These people continued to do some things. It's what we see in the text. They, 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 were, they weren't half-hearted about it. They weren't like one foot in the deep end, one foot out. They weren't just casual, like, oh, yeah, you know what? When I get around to it, here's what we'll do. When I get around to it, let's break some bread together. When we get around to it, let's do some prayers. No, they continually did these things. It was a habitual thing. It was like they were devoted to what's going on in this text. They were fired up about it. Now, here's the thing. You and I can read this and go, well, maybe that was just an exception, Jim. I mean, it was early on, you know, God poured out his spirit, some different things were happening. So maybe them doing this stuff wasn't actually the norm. Maybe it was the exception. Can I tell you, this was supposed to be the norm. Because once you get out of the book of Acts and you start getting into where, when, when the church begins to really spread, okay, and more people are getting saved and the churches are popping up and the apostle Paul's planting churches in different areas, when you start to read through Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Timothy and all the New Testament, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see the apostles like Paul and John and James and Peter writing basically one thing. You're not doing some stuff or you should be doing stuff. Okay. Because when you read the New Testament, can I tell you, the New Testament is not written to unbelievers. The New Testament is written to who? believers. It's written to the church. All of the New Testament is written to different believers. And it's challenging those who say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian to behave a certain way, 
to act a certain way, not to do this, to do this. Don't, don't act that way, act this way. Don't sound like this, sound like this. Don't worship like that, worship this way. And so you have the apostles trying to get the church to go back to here. This is the way as the church should be. But the problem is, we got on the way. People drift. What happens is, we as people, guess what we stop doing? Devoting ourselves. It's plain and simple. People stop devoting themselves. And once we become casual and warm, like lukewarm, half-hearted, I'm telling you, we are no longer being the church. We're just casual Christians and followers of Christ. The reality is, what is seen here in Acts should be the norm not the exception. This should be happening. This is the church. The reality is when it comes to doing what God wants us to do, the call for the church is very simple. Here's what God wants the church to do. Proclaim the gospel, see people saved, transform their life. That's it. We are to proclaim the gospel so people can come to be saved and their lives will be changed for, Christ, for the glory of Christ. That's it. And the, in order for that to happen, guess what believers have got to be? Devoted. We've got to be fired up, gang. The reality is we, we, we just can't be half-hearted about this. If we are to be the church and to do what God has called us to do, to get the gospel out, to see people come that believe in Jesus Christ, to see lives truly changed, guess what? It's got to be all hands on deck. Any military personnel in here? Okay, any ex-military, if you were ex-Navy, like me, um, one thing you're going to hear a lot in the Navy is all hands on deck. That means um, cancel all your plans, whatever you were doing, stop it. Right now, we need everybody at this spot right now, all hands on deck. Loved ones, we need all hands on deck. If we're going to accomplish what God wants us to do as the church, we need everybody playing the game. We can't have anybody sitting on the sidelines watching the game. We need people continually committed to the call that God has challenged us as a church to do. And so that's one mark. Mark of being the church is a continual commitment. Here's the second mark. Compelling teaching. So they devoted themselves, and here's one of the first things they devoted themselves to, the apostles' teaching. Now, back at this point, um, how many of you know they would not have had this? All right? they, they didn't have a nice little book in their hands with nice little chapter breaks and verses and leather bound and all. They didn't have that, okay? What they had was um, people who taught. And for these early 3,120 people, it was the apostles, that inner core group of Jesus, who taught these people. Now, the question is, is what would have been the apostles' teaching? One would have been the Old Testament. They still would have taught Old Testament things. Not the law, per se, but they still would have taught Psalms, and they would have taught history. They would have taught, some of, they would have taught the Old Testament. All right, but they would have also taught how the Old Testament connected with Jesus. 
because they would have had to show that, all right? They would have, they would have taught Jesus' teaching. The, these, tw- these now 11 men, because Judas would be gone, these 11 apostles were with Jesus, and they would have taken what he taught, and guess what they would have done? Taught it, all right? They would have taught about the resurrection of Christ. They would have taught about how to be a witness for Christ. They would have been teaching these kind of things. Now, here's the thing about the apostles' teaching. It would have been twofold. It would have been informative and transformative. Because the apostles just wouldn't have taught these people. Yes, these people were brand new, and they would have taught information. They would have taught them to learn and to grow. But guess where the, 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 the real rubber meeting the road would have been? Hey, here's what I want to teach you, but here's how you apply it. Put it into practice. Here's what we do. As the church, here's what we do. I sat and wondered if maybe one of maybe Peter or, 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 or John at that time would have been, hey, do you guys remember when we were up on that mountain with Jesus? And he began to teach all that stuff, you know, like, like, the Beatitudes, and he was teaching about what, what the law was and how we were to behave. And do you remember when he finished up about that whole thing about building your, your life on a rock and on the sand? That was pretty, that was pretty um, educational, you know what? But here's the thing. You remember when Jesus taught that? He said that a wise man hears my words and puts them into practice. You see, these guys, they were there. They heard that actual teaching. And I'm pretty sure they would have sat down with the people and then, here's what Jesus taught us. He's telling us if we hear the word of God to put it into practice. That's what these people were doing. They, w- they were putting into practice what these men were telling them. Because notice it says they devoted themselves to their teaching. They heard the, disciples, the, the apostles teach and they weren't just like, ah, that was, that's pretty good, guys. But I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do my own thing. No, they devoted themselves continually doing what the apostles taught. They put it into practice every day, putting it into practice. The apostles had compelling teaching. They taught to change lives. The same goes for you and me today. We need to be a church that continues to teach and preach the word of God. Compellingly. I'm whether it's in our Sunday school class, in our small groups, here on a Sunday morning, we don't gather to hear the word of God proclaimed just to inform our minds more. It, doesn't make, it isn't just to make us more religious. It isn't just so we can say, oh, I know more about the Bible. The idea is that I learn the word of God for only one reason, to put it into practice, okay? The Bible, the word of God is to inform and then transform. It informs the head, but transforms the heart. Because when, I in, when my head is informed and my heart is transformed, it's going to move outside of me. It's going to change what I do. And that's the whole point of this. The word of God transforming us and changing us. And so we want to compel through compelling teaching. We want to keep teaching and preaching the word of God. Here's Mark number three. Close community. So we have a continual commitment. We have compelling teaching. Now we have close community. So again, look at verse 42. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. To the fellowship. Now, that word fellowship has really been distorted in the church today. Okay? It is so misused and so misunderstood. We have boiled down the word fellowship to something you do on a Sunday morning before church called fellowship hour. And really what fellowship time or fellowship hour is in the church on a Sunday morning is what? Cookies and donuts. Maybe a few or cookies, donuts, coffee, maybe, you know, what? that's fellowship. All right? Come and have some coffee. Come and have a donut. We're going to fellowship. Can I tell you that is not biblical fellowship? Not even close. Okay? In fact, the word fellowship, it really carries the idea of it's a close association involving mutual interest and sharing with one another. It describes a close community. That's what these people had. All right? It was a close community. It was not just showing up one day a week and have a donut and a cup of coffee and asking somebody, hey, how was your work week? That, my loved ones, is not fellowship. All right? Take a look at some of these other verses in here to really see what this fellowship thing is about. So again, verse 42, they devoted themselves. Again, they continually committed themselves to this stuff to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Look at verse 44. And all who believed. I would underline those words. Those are important. All who believed. Again, just as I have said the past couple weeks, that when it talks about all who believe, it's referring to anyone who calls themselves a believer in Christ. So if you're sitting here today as a Christian, if I were to come up to you personally and say, hey, are you a Christian? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And if you were to look at me and go, yes, I am. This is talking to you, to all who believe. Look, what they were all together. They had all things in common. Look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you see a kind of a theme here? Can you see that, that fellowship, biblical fellowship, is not just having a donut and a cup of coffee for 10 minutes before a service. Fellowship is life together. All right? That's what biblical fellowship is all about. These people did life together. They enjoyed meals together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. There was an intimacy with these people, all right? They knew each other. They acknowledged they were with one another all the time. They understood what community was about. But for some reason, somehow, we in the church today, let's just be honest here, okay? I'm just going to be honest. We have come to the belief that fellowship is optional. That as long as I show up on a Sunday morning, we're good to go. But can I tell you, if all you're doing is showing up on a Sunday morning, and for some of us, we can't even do that every week, you're not fulfilling biblical fellowship. You're not even close. You're not even on the map. Biblical fellowship is coming together. Can anybody tell me how many one another commands are there in the New Testament? Anybody know? A bunch. <laughs> there you go. A bunch. 
pretty much a bunch. In fact, there are 59 one another commands in the New Testament. 59 of them. Love one another, serve one another, be peaceful with one another, encourage one another, carry one another. I mean, one another's over and over. It's not like three or four. 59 different times. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, actually gives a couple of them. And this is probably one of the greatest texts for this idea of, of fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says this, let us, hmm, that's kind of like familiar. Let us consider how we can stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me work backwards on this thing. As you see the day, as you see the day approaching, do you know what day that is? The coming of Christ. He's like, as you see this thing happening more and more, you've got to do something different. And as you see the approaching of the day of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to talk on that in a couple of weeks, and you, you know we're getting close to this. He says, if you see that day coming, here's what you need to be doing. Stirring up one another to love and good deeds. Can I tell you, you're not doing that sitting in a chair once a week. You just can't. He says, as a, he says, do not neglect to meet together as in the habit of some are doing. Unfortunately, this verse has been taken out of context saying, well, that means you don't give up going to church. That is not what he's talking about here. It's not about sh not neglecting showing up to a worship service. It's neglecting fellowship with other believers. Again, you remember I said that, that, the, old, that the entire New Testament was about challenging believers to get back to the, the way Acts chapter 2 is? Don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So Hebrews is sitting there going, there are people in the church who are believers in the habit of no fellowship. He's like, don't do that. Get back to not neglecting that thing. But encourage one another all the time. Loved ones, listen to me. That is biblical fellowship. And you are not accomplishing that by showing up once a week for an hour. No, not even an hour. Because I can, can I tell you right now, you're not fellowshipping. And most of us, let's just be honest. Okay, I'm just being honest. How many of you show up 30 minutes before church to have real fellowship with everybody? It's not happening. Here's what we normally do. We show up, if we're, if we're good, five minutes before service. And then maybe we get a cup of coffee and we come in here. That's if we're good. A lot of us show up when? Ten after. Second song's already in, then we'll come in. You haven't had time to talk to nobody. The reality is, loved ones, fellowship takes place outside of Sunday morning. You see, that's why we, 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 we have a Sunday school class on Sunday morning. It gives you an avenue to connect with other believers. That's why if you look in the, your, the, the notes you have on your second page, you have a list of all of our small groups. We have these small groups, not so I can burden these people who lead these small groups. The small group is so you can come together. Our small group that Paul and I attend we, with the Fogarty's, it's pretty much what we, I call, me and Paula are the young people in this group. We're, we're the old folks group, okay? But man, I'm telling you, man, we got it going on. My group, raise your hand if you're in my, everybody raise your hand if you're in our group. Raise your hands, raise your hand. 
Vicky, Roger, you guys attend. A few. We are. We're old people, man. We're the old fogies. I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm putting my, I'm in that boat. I'm an old fogey. But man, here's what we do. Man, we, 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 we pray together. We study the word together. We eat together. We talk together. Our group is close. And I'm telling you, when someone is going through a time of cancer or a time of something, I'm telling you, we gather around them. We're praying for them. That is fellowship. And that's what we need. That's why we have these small groups, okay? I would encourage you. That's why we have these connection events. So you can gather with other believers outside of Sunday morning. I would encourage you, you know what? Go out to eat together. Call someone up and say, hey, would you like to go out to eat? Invite somebody over to your home for a meal. That's fellowship, loved ones. And I'm telling you, so many of us in this church, we're not doing it. You're not connected to anybody outside of Sunday morning. And my question to you is, why is that? If we are going to be the church, we all need to be committing to this, to the fellowship. It is vitally important. In fact, I think the Apostle Paul really explains to us in Romans 1 why biblical fellowship is so important. Paul writes this in Romans 1, verse 11. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul gets this. He goes, this is why we do fellowship, to mutually encourage one another, to mutually build each other up. Listen, when you're going through the storm, how fun is it to isolate yourself and be all by yourself and you're going through the storm? And I'm telling you, I've done this so long and sometimes I get tired of hearing this. I was going through the storm, but nobody in the church cared. And I will always ask people, what small group were you in? I wasn't. What ministry were you in? I wasn't. How were you connected with other believers? I wasn't. Then don't get mad at the church. Because when you're going through it, you need people around you, praying with you. Yeah, put it on the prayer request, but that's still not enough. Sometimes you need people who are physically putting their arms around you, hugging you, and looking you in the eyes going, God's got this. But if you're isolating yourself, you're an island unto yourself, and you're going to get, you're going to get bombed by the, the winds and the waves and crashing, and it's going to be hard. Fellowship, together, that's the church. And that's why we have, and I would encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get that list out. Contact, you know, talk to a small group leader. If you know who they are, call them up, text, email them, get, get plugged in. That is what we need to be about. Here's the fourth mark. Compassionate serving. The fourth mark is compassionate serving. Look at verses 44 and 45. It says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. These people understood what it meant to be compassionately serving one another in the church. All right? They saw a need, and they figured out, how do we meet this need? All right? Now, obviously, the people in this, during the biblical times, financially were a lot different off than we are today, all right? 
and, and, and single women, um, they, they would have no, no way to be able to, to do something. So the church would gather around and figure out, how do we serve this person? How do we help them? And they would be like, you know what? I've got something. I, the rich people would be like, I don't need that, that house, that extra house. I'm going to sell it. And then I'm going to use my money to help needs. The church took care of the church. All right? Now, here's something that may blow your mind. When you read the New Testament, do you know the number one place you're supposed to serve? The church. The church is supposed to take care of itself, and then you overflow to the world. I know that sounds backwards, but it's not. Because in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, Be and do good to everyone, but especially to the household of faith. Because here's the reality. If the church can't take care of the church, how in the world can the church reach the lost? Because here's the thing, gang. Churches close because of no participation. When 80% of the work is only being done by 20% of the, the people, there are churches that no longer can stay open because there isn't enough help in the church. So tell me, how good is that church in impacting the community if it has to close? It can't. The only way the church can accomplish the work of God to get the gospel out, reach people for Christ, to see people saved, and transform their lives is when the church takes care of the church. And we all are serving one another. That's why Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, serve one another humbly in love. That's to everyone in the church. Serve everyone humbly in love. That means we got to humble ourselves and go, you know what? Where am I serving? How am I helping someone? And that's the thing. Loving people is serving them. Figuring a place to serve. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 6, it says this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, through though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Paul is making an illustration that the church is like a body, a physical body. Just like your body has a lot of different members, but it all works together. This church is a body, and every single person in here is a different member of the body. But Paul says we all have got to work together. And the way that is, is that you have gifts to be used. And he says, you have gifts to be used, so guess what you do with them? Use them. Not just sit by idly and let other people. No, the church, all of us, being the church means that all of us are compassionately serving somewhere, somehow, some way. Now, I get it. There are some of us who are just physically unable to serve, and that happens. I ask their permission, but I, I look at Butch and Sandy Hummel. They served doing communion for I don't know how long they did it. Every Sunday, they'd get all the stuff. They'd come up here, them and Richard would do the, do the communion. And then I remember the day when they came to me and said, Sandy's no longer able to do this. We need to step down. Now, I didn't look at them and go, you know what? Put on your bootstraps and keep. No, I'm like, I get it. You are physically unable but I love the fact that you served until you couldn't. 
They kept pressing on, pressing on, pressing on until the day they just knew we can no longer do it. I think of my grandma who died back in 2013 of a heart aneurysm. And uh, she went into the hospital on, I think, a Wednesday or a Thursday. And the doctors told her, um, you have a heart aneurysm. We cannot operate because of your age and where it's located. It will burst within the next few days and you need to stay home or stay in the hospital. And it burst that weekend. And she died after about three days in the hospital. But after the doctors told her, you cannot leave the hospital, she was mad. And do you want to know why she was mad? My grandma was 85, if I remember right, at that time. She was mad because, so she went in the hospital like on a Thursday. The Tuesday of the next week was her time to serve in their children's ministry at the welcome counter. And she was mad. She's like, well, who's going to, who's going to welcome the kids? She goes, I need to be in church to welcome the kids. She was so fired up about serving these children, she didn't care about her heart aneurysm. She was like, I want to go home. And the doctor's like, you can't. But she served until she couldn't. She kept moving. Listen, loved ones, if you are able and capable of serving, you should be. You have gifts and talents and abilities of personality. You've got experiences. You've got things in your life that need to be utilized in this church. And the reality is, listen to me, we are too small of a church for people to be sitting on the sidelines and just watching. We just are, okay? I mean, all you got to do is look around, everybody. I'm not making that up. We need all hands on deck. That's why you've got another sheet of paper there listing all the ministry and ministry leaders. Guess what I would want you to do? Contact them. Hey, where, can I tell you, we have three ministries that need help. Our children's ministry needs help. Our ushers and greeters need help. The coffee vine needs help. All right? I'm not asking you, hey, step up and be a small group leader and teach the Bible. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to do something that you're not equipped with and capable of doing. I'm just asking, hey, if you're able and you, and you can do it, help by saying greeting and saying hello to someone at the front door. Help with taking up the, the, the offering on a Sunday morning. Help by serving a cup of coffee. Talk to Adam and Abby Senior and go, hey, I don't know how to teach the Bible to kids, but hey, I can be a helper if you need one. It's, the idea is, guys, we need to realize that if we are going to accomplish what God has called us to do, to preach the word, to get people saved, and to transform his life, it takes all of us. We got to all be in this thing. Now, if you can't, I get it. You can't do it, but figure out what you can do maybe even. But if you are able to move and you've got life in your body and, and breath in your lungs and you can do it, find a place to serve. Let's be compassionately serving one another because that's what it is to be the church. Here's the fifth one. Here's the fifth uh, mark of being the church, corporate worship. Corporate worship. Again, look at verse 47, or 46 and 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. These people practiced the presence of Jesus. Now, for them, yes, they were still Jews and they attended the, the temple. But man, they were there every day together. All right, They understood what it meant to go to temple to worship God. 
Now, here's the thing. Just as I said that, that we in the church think fellowship is an option, can I tell you also, when, when it comes to serving in the church, we think it's an option. And can I tell you in the church today, when it comes to worship, we think it's an option. And I sit and go, when did we think these, all this stuff is optional? Because I can tell you, in the Bible, you will read nowhere where it says, oh, it's all optional. Loved one's worship is not optional. Worship is where we come together corporately as the body of Christ to elevate and lift high the name of Jesus. That's what worship. See, this is why we need to have a, a paradigm shift in our thinking that we don't go to church. All right. We, as a believer, you don't come to the church as a believer. You are the church that comes to worship. That's what we do here. All right. We are here not to get a check mark. We are here not to get our little gold star. We are here not to fulfill a spiritual obligation. We are here as a believer in Christ only for one thing, to worship Christ, to practice his presence. Yes, as I, as I talked a couple weeks ago, Paul talks about in Romans 12 that, man, our lifestyle should be a worship. It, everything we do should be worship. But there is something about coming together collectively and worshiping. And that's what we are to do, to come together collectively and worship. It's not optional. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say you can't ever miss church. I'm not saying that. You know, there are times where we're sick, times where we, we have to work, times we do. We go on vacation, we go away, those happen. But the reality is, I'm just, there's just too many of us where our absences and our attending are equal. How can my absence from, the, from worshiping Christ be equal to my attending worshiping Christ? We all should be able to look at our, our being gone and absences and be able to count them pretty much on two hands. Because there should be something in me that when I wake up on Sunday that says, man, I want to go to the house of God to worship my Savior. That's why we do this as a believer, as a Christian. Church, this thing here isn't about you and me. It is about him. That's why we show up here. Now, again, if you're sick, stay home. I've said that before. If you can't get out, stay home. But the reality is, and I've, I've, I've read too many things. I've heard too many things. I've, I've, I've watched pastors say this stuff. I truly believe church leadership is at fault here. Because church leadership is doing this. I think they're doing, too many church leaders are doing a disservice to the body of Christ by simply making church simple. Meaning this, we don't want to make it where it's hard for people. So here's what we do. We have drive-through church. There are churches that have a, like a they're like a McDonald's. They have a drive-through window and you get your bulletin, you get your, your devotion for the week. You've attended church. And I've read, I've, I remember this one church and I read the entire, do, the entire article on it. And the pastor was like, we want to make church as simple as possible for people to attend. They didn't attend anything. They drove through. I was listening to a pastor just a few weeks ago. And he, he said, hey, listen, he goes, if you don't want to come to church, he goes, I want to make it simple for you and say, that's okay. Stay home and watch online. We want to make it as simple and non-obtrusive. 
Loved ones, I'm not going to say that to you. I am not going to give you an out of, get out of jail free card. Show up to worship Jesus Christ. If you have to stay home, please stay home. But listen, online service is not where I wake up on a cold Sunday morning and go, it is just cold out there. I think I'm going to stay home in my, my pajamas and have my coffee and I'll watch online. That's not what that's intended for. We have a couple from, I don't want, I'm going to call them out, John and Lindsay Lynch. I can tell you they're watching right now. But because John has COPD so bad, he can't even get the flu because it'll kill him. That's how bad his breathing is. So they have to avoid at all possible getting RSV, getting the flu, getting COVID, anything. So they stay home pretty much all the time. But they have watched faithfully online since COVID began. Before COVID, and here's where they live. Glen Ellen, which is a suburb of Chicago. They used to come down here every week for service and attend a small group, our old people's small group. But, when, but once COVID hit, they can no longer attend. But I can tell you they're watching right now probably because they're so faithful. They still give financially to this church. Blows me away. That's what online is supposed to be. If you have lung, air in your lungs and, and strength in your body and you can get here, you come to worship. Because it is about worshiping Jesus Christ. It's about corporate worship. That is being the church. Here's the sixth one. Contagious witnessing. Another mark of, the, of being the church is contagious witnessing. Look at verse 46. It says, and day by day attending the temple. Okay. In verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. They would go to the temple to worship God, but also the temple, they also knew there's going to be a lot of other people there. And they allowed their life, what God was doing in them to change them so much that it became a contagious witness for other people. Because when you look at the last verse in our text, it says, and the Lord added to their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. The church was contagious. People outside the church saw what was going on in these people's lives and they couldn't deny it. They were like, something's different about you all. And they were able to say, yeah, God, Jesus Christ has changed me. Something's different about me. And it was contagious enough where people were coming to Christ. Our lives should be contagious. When you're at your job, are you the cantankerous worker? Like everybody's like, oh, I don't want to be around them. They're so negative. Oh, I hate working with them. Or the, you're the person that where everybody's like, I want to be around them. There's something about them. They're, I don't know what it is, but they're different. And are you contagious? Are you contagious enough where people want to be around you? Are you contagious enough where you were to ask someone, hey, would you like to come to church? Where they're like, yeah, I'll go check it out because you're different. Something's going on. Loved ones, we need to be different. We need to be contagious. We need to be a church that's contagious in our witnessing. And then lastly, change perception. When all of these other things are happening, a change perception should be taking place. And look at verse 43. It says, in awe came upon every soul. That word awe really means reverence to the Lord. 
when we are being the church, when, when as we have prayed that the Holy Spirit would come and change us and, and do you know, work in us, work in us corporately, and awe should be in this place. And that awe is kind of like one, like all of a sudden, see these people, there was an awe because they realized, man, I'm not in this for myself. I'm in this because I want to bring honor and glory and reverence to Jesus Christ. That's why I'm doing this thing. That's the all should be in your heart and my heart. That there's something about this place. There's something about this church that when people come in, it'd be my prayer that people come in and go, there's something about that place. Nothing weird, nothing fanatical, but it's just different. And that would be an awe. It would just be like this, man, God, we're here for you. Jesus, we're here for you. Change us. Do a work in us that only you can do. That is the all. And that's my prayer. That was that prayer of the first two weeks of the series. Holy Spirit, come. Change us. Turn us. Do a work in us. Let there be an all in me and let there be an all in this place. Amen? Hey, let's all stand. Let's get ready to close with our last song. Let me close this in a word of prayer. Well, Father, we just want to just pause for a few seconds here. And Lord, I know there was just a lot being said there, very heavy. But Lord, as we go through that text, I ask that we all would want to make that our desire, that we would want to be the church. Not just a church, but be the church. Truly, Lord, living these things out. Not perfectly by any, any means, but, go, but God, we're progressing to that. And that there would be an awe in this place, an awe in my heart, an awe in everybody's heart in here, an awe for you. Just an awe of that, God, you're working in this place. And Lord, I would just pray that all of us would just have been challenged today, Lord, to step into ministry, to step into the fellowship, Lord, to want to, to worship you have a desire to witness to someone. Lord God, only you can do that work in us. And Holy Spirit, I pray you would. I pray that this word just will not be something that tickles our ears, but it changes our hearts. We wouldn't just not hear this, but now we put it in that to practical everyday application. So God, we do thank you. And we just praise you, Father, and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Changing gears, let's um, sing the greatness of our God. <clears throat> the new one. Give me eyes to see more of who you are. May what